today's Christmas morning, and I was so excited when I saw that Christmas would fall on Sunday. I thought, what better day? I wanted to be able to worship our Savior on this morning. And this gift that we have is like no other gift. This one is special. This is a gift of forgiveness and everlasting life. Nobody else can offer us that gift that God did through his son. His only begotten son was given to us and born unto us for one purpose, to be offered up as a sacrifice so that you and I might have the opportunity, the privilege, and the honor to live with him through all of eternity. So I'm excited to learn about his birth this morning, to learn the real Christmas story that we can worship and learn this morning above all mornings about Jesus Christ, and I hope that you are too. When you think of Christmas, I don't know what you think about. I think about as the worldly view of, you know, Santa Claus came, reindeer, Christmas trees, presents, all of those types of things. But others will think of a spiritual meaning. Whenever they think of Christmas, they think of the nativity scene. They think of all that happened during that night and what's explained to us in the word of God. They see the visions of this, but Christmas is a special time of year. We have a babe wrapped here in swaddling clothes. That's what most people think of when they think of that. But swaddling clothes is not the real thing, and we're going to find that out in a minute. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, and then back to Luke chapter 2, and it's just real quick readings of the Word of God right there. Unembellished, just that, and then in Luke chapter 2, we're going to explain what really happened. So Luke chapter 1 will begin with verse 26 as we see that picture of a babe wrapped in modern day swaddling clothes in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David the virgin's name was Mary and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind just what manner of a salutation was this. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou art highly favored with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said unto the angel, How shall all of this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born unto thee 
shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month which of the one who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Next, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, we see the angel of the Lord now will appear to Joseph. Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, that when as Mary was espoused, when as his mother Mary, who was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and he, you will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from the deep sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and he knew her not, until she brought forth that firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And then at last, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It's time. Christmas night has arrived, and there's a decree from Caesar Augustus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the line of David. He went there to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, she being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you tidings of joy, great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth peace and goodwill towards men. And it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them up into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And boy, they came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, she kept all these things, and she pondered them. Pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying God, praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Well, let's take a look at this gift from God this morning. Let's, let's keep it backed up, Tanya, for a second. It's a majestic gift like none other, and if, if you received some gifts this morning and your kids were there, they were probably tearing through that gift wrap to get to what was underneath, weren't they? Well, here's a baby that was wrapped in these type of swaddling clothes, and that's what we think of, and it looks all bumpy and secure, doesn't it? But we said today that we was going to do the real Christmas story. And to be able to find out the real story of Christmas, we've got to start with that real word for swaddling clothes because it's not what we thought. It's not like this little guy right here, this little fellow. The real word is sparganoo. It means strips of cloth. We can go ahead to the next one. Yes, thank you, Tanya. Strips of cloth that have been rent or torn. This word is an Ionic Greek word that was used 400 years ago before the birth of Christ by a man called Hippocrates. And if you have heard of Hippocrates, he's called the father of modern medicine. Doctors to this day, when they graduate, they do the Hippocratic Oath. We got HIPAA laws now that about secrecy on, on your records. But as the father of modern medicine, he wrote in 400 B.C. on healing and on how to treat people that sparganoo is strips of cloth that is rent from robes. For you see, they all wore robes, and as they would wear out, they didn't just discard them, they tore them into strips, and the doctors used these, he wrote, to bind up wounds of people who had been hurt. Isaiah 53, and verse 5, I believe it is, says that he was wounded for our transgressions. So these strips of cloth represents the wounds that this baby is going to bear as he grows older. And also... Hippocrates continues to write that these strips are also used to wrap those who have passed away under their care into. So also, they are wrapped, used to wrap people for death and for burial. So in the glorious light of the birth of the Son of God was also the shadow of the cross. For in being born 
it was already being made evident of his true motive for being born, that he was going to be wounded for our transgressions and that he was going to die upon the cross of Calvary for our sins. And that's why this specific type of cloth and this word was used. And that's why he's going to tell the shepherds that this is a special sign unto you because this is like no other baby. So he's gift-wrapped from his birth for us as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Next, it says that she laid him in a manger. Uh, I don't know about you, but growing up in modern day, and we sing all of the songs like the kids sang so wonderfully up here this morning, and they, we sing about swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and that to me is like biscuits and gravy or chicken and dumplings because that, those are comfort foods. And when you think of swaddling clothes in a manger, you think of comforting things. You think about the baby being born and laid that way, and he looks all comfortable and secure. But whatever a manger is, it wasn't what we thought. Because what it is is a feeding trough. And it's a feeding trough for large animals, this particular word is. It's for the oxen, for the donkeys, and, those, and the cattle. So it was a feeding trough made for the larger animals. This too is a sign for those shepherds because we're told in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 3, Isaiah tells the people the word of God that he says unto them that the ox knows his owner and the donkey his master's manger. Yep, that same word right there. So the ox knows his owner. A donkey knows his master's feeding trough. But my people have not regarded me. In other words, these dumb animals, like a donkey that you make fun of as being a brute animal that's stupid, that animal knows who takes care of him. He knows his master's feeding trough. But my people have forgotten me. They have rejected me. So from this verse of scripture that was fulfilled when he was laid into the manger, there was no room at the end, right? They were rejected at the end. And he laid him in a feeding trough, the symbol of the rejection of the people of God. So as our Savior was born that morning, it was another symbol that he was going to be rejected by his own people. Remember, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. So the real story of Christmas isn't just about swaddling clothes and a manger, but it's about a baby that God is offering up as his own son to be gift-wrapped in the shadow of death, and showing and knowing from the start that he's going to be rejected by his people. That's the real story of Christmas. Next it says that this was also spoken to the shepherds in the field in verse 8. There if you're still in Luke chapter 2. They went into the same country shepherds abiding in the field to watch over their flock by night. So as we see the next slide, it, it shows these shepherds 
out there. And they've been watching their flock by night, and they're told to go and to go and see this child that was born. These weren't random shepherds either, just like it wasn't random events of wrapped in these strips of cloth and laid in a feeding trough. But the Mishnah is like a commentary. A lot of you that study the scriptures and want to read commentaries, there's a lot of those out there. And the, the Mishnah was a Jewish commentary. It was the Hebrews, scribes, and Pharisees recording events as they happened and basically around scripture. And it says that, that these shepherds in the Mishnah were special shepherds. These were shepherds who hasn't been tainted by the religious ideas of the Pharisees of the day, the ones who would be rejecting the Christ as he grows into a young man. But these shepherds are rejected by them, and they are outcasts because they watch over the flocks every day. In other words, they work on the Sabbath. And so by working on the Sabbath, the hierarchy looked down upon them. But these were true worshipers of God, whereas the hierarchy wasn't. And so God chose these true worshipers to be the first ones that he reveals his son is going to be born. And it's interesting because this herd is no normal herd either that these shepherds are watching over. But this herd is the one that is used by the high priest. This is the one when the people give their offerings of the best. This herd is used for the daily offerings and then the once of year as the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and the holy of holies. So this is a special group of lambs. These are the lambs that symbolizes the lamb of God that was born on Christmas night. And so he says unto them in verse 9, he sends an angel of the Lord unto these shepherds. And I know whenever I said an angel of the Lord that you're looking for something else besides this. But that's not what it is. This angel of the Lord is the highest ranking angel of battle. Folks, he's the king of arms. And I really want us now to mentally get clued in to what was happening Christmas morning. It's mind-blowing what's taking place. It's spiritual warfare at the highest level. And I know most people, when you think of a, of a Christmas lesson on Christmas morning from somebody, you're not expecting spiritual warfare. But being called to feed a flock and to minister, I'm called to tell the truth when I study the Word of God. And so I want to give you the real story of Christmas. And this is the royal order of battle that's getting ready to appear. It's not Madison Avenue and what we've been taught, a lot of things of how nice and easy and Rudolph and all of the cartoons that we have. No, no. This, my friends, is the story of the one in the Old Testament who was called the Lord of Hosts, being born and brought into the world. Look at verse 13, if you're still in Luke chapter 2 with me. Verse 13 says, And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. So what appeared with this angel? I'll give you a clue. It wasn't a bunch of little sweet things with trumpets like they put on the postcards. 
It's not an artist's rendition. The word for um, a multitude is plethos, where we get plethora, uh, a great number. This is a huge, huge number of them. And the word for host doesn't mean like I'm having you into my home. But the word for host, the actual word means army. So this is the heavenly army of God that appears because their commander-in-chief is the one through the Old Testament that's called the Lord of hosts, and he is now laying in a manger. He's a young baby. He can't defend himself right now as a baby, but the army of heaven with the commander-in-chief that has been left, the archangel of war, is there. And as he is born... He's going to be rejected by his people, but the ones who know of him are this night standing and saluting their general, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the army. They welcomed his birth, and they surrounded the skies of Bethlehem with their glorious light that night as they marched in review in the royal order of battle. This is spiritual warfare on a nuclear scale. I want you to mentally start thinking about this, what's happening. There was a battle in heaven before this earth was formed. The devil and his angels rebelled against God. And there was a battle. These angels took part of that battle and cast them out. The ones who were cast out was here upon this earth in Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, Satan helped to get the woman to partake of the fruit and then along with the man, and so mankind fell. And in Genesis 3.15, that first prophecy of the baby being born that was going to come and take away the sin of the world said, the seed of a woman is going to bruise your head. In other words, as we was talking last night, this is spiritual warfare. The birth of Christ is forgiveness to us and the hope of eternal life in heaven. But to the devil and his angels, it's the fulfilling of the prophecy of the lake of fire and brimstone that was created for the devil and his angels. And when he heard that sentence that the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head, Spiritual warfare began that day upon the seed of the woman, and that's what you see all the way up until the cross when Christ died and accomplished what he was supposed to do. What happened very first thing after that sentence? Cain and Abel. Cain slew Abel because that's where the seed was going to come. So in chapter 4 it says that Eve said, I have been given another son. I name him Seth because he's the one now appointed that the seed line is going to come through. What happened in the next book in Exodus when Moses had to be floated out in the bulrushes? You remember that? Why? Because they was trying to kill every male child that there was in Egypt. But God had to spare that because that's Satan's battle is against the seed of woman throughout this whole book. And that's what this is all about. What's going to happen in a mere matter of a couple of months after the birth of Christ? There's going to be wise men that we're going to study next week that's going to come into Jerusalem from the east 
And they're going to go to Herod and they're going to say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Because we have seen his star. Oh yeah, what happens? Herod gets furious when they don't come back and tell him where he is. He gives a decree to destroy every male child again in the entire area to make sure that we do away with the seed of the woman who has came to destroy us and to cast us into hell. This is all about spiritual warfare on a nuclear level. And the angels of God present themselves that night, the army, to protect their Savior. This is confirmed to us in Revelation chapter 12, and I'm going to read this for you if you just want to write it down and study it on your own later. But Revelation chapter 12 gives us an example of what was happening here that night. Just listen to this because it's awesome. It says there that there appeared a great wonder in heaven, and there's a woman who was clothed with the sun. That's the sun that's going to be born. The moon was under her feet, and upon her head was a crown of 12 stars. She was great with child, travailing in birth and pain to deliver him. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Now listen to this. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. She brought forth the man-child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And then in verse 7 it says, There was a war in heaven. Michael the archangel and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Folks, this was no ordinary night. As the travail of childbirth was going, all the demonic angels of Satan was ready to, to try to devour that child as soon as it was born so that they would not have to face their judgment. But the angels of God, the royal order of battle that we see, went across there and they protected that child so that he could come forth and to grow into a man-child to be offered up as the Lamb of God for you and I. This was salvation to us, but it was the death sentence to them, and they knew it. So back in Luke chapter 2, it says, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then the brigade of angels, it says, melts back into heaven. And the shepherds said, let's go see this thing that has been told to us. So they hustled to Bethlehem as fast as they could. They found Mary and Joseph and Jesus just as they were told by that archangel. People are still searching for Jesus today. They found him and they rejoiced and were glad that they did. I pray that if you're here today, I pray that you have found him too. And that you're rejoicing in the fact that you're washed in the blood of the Lamb of God who was wounded for our transgressions. If you have not found him, I pray that you do. I pray that you do. If you, for some reason, need to know more about how to do that, please come up and let me know. 
will make sure that you get that information for you. And then it says, after they saw and after they found, they went about telling everybody what they saw and what had happened. And I pray that this congregation does that as well. As those who have been born again into Christ Jesus, and your sins have been forgiven, I pray that now we want to go and tell everybody about that fact of what we have found and share that message of good news and peace and joy with them as well. Give all glory and honor to God as we do this. And if the band wants to come on up and get ready, we'll close. And I want to close this out today with a poem that was written by a minister of God that is my mentor. He's passed away now. He's long gone, but he wrote this several years ago, and, and I think it's fitting to close with on Christmas morning. It's his version of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the world, a message was preached, a challenge was hurled. Believe on the Son, and thou shalt be saved, for the road to heaven with his blood was paved. And out of the darkness of sin and despair came God's salvation, the fairest of fair. He was born in a manger. There's no room at the inn. God in the flesh, he died for our sin. The angels sang and the shepherds rejoiced. The Messiah has come. The message was voiced. By joyous believers, both far and near, that Christmas has come. Emmanuel is here. Let's pray. Father, though this was a little different, we hope that we saw the real message of Christmas. Your Son, the Lamb of God, that was slain from the foundation of the world for our sins. And that we saw that He was born in the shadow of the cross, said to be rejected by His people, Worshipped by those who were outcasts of society. And the news was spread abroad. And then it says that his mother treasured these sayings in her heart as they came about to her. And Father, may we treasure in our heart this day your true message of Christmas for us and what it means. In Jesus' name, amen.